hello everyone and welcome to another episode of no lasting city today i want to offer just a few short reflections on what the church can learn from the military now many of you probably know that i have uh, my, my working adult life has been basically split 10 years in the military and now 10 years in the church after high school i graduated i went to the coast guard academy ended up spending nine years active duty in the coast guard a couple years reserve and then transitioned out into pastoral ministry and actually as i as i uh, record this podcast. I'm about a week out from heading to a two-month onboarding training with the Air Force to serve as a as a reserve chaplain in the Air Force. So I'm diving on a very part-time basis back into the military culture a little bit. And so I, I've lived in both of these worlds. And over the years, I, I've reflected on this question. Actually, uh, certainly, there's there's a lot that the military can learn from the church. But I think there's actually a lot that the church can learn from military life and military culture. And I wanted to offer, uh, maybe I'll do this over a few podcasts, uh, just one thought today on, on what, that, what that is. And so here it is. Here's my, my one thought on this right now anyway. What, what can the church learn from the military? And I'll put it this way in the words of of uh, uh, Top Gun, if you remember that movie way back when, one of the uh, most popular military movies ever ever made, never leave your wingman. Never leave your wingman, right? I'm sure you remember that if, uh, if you're old enough to have seen that movie. Uh, it's kind of a corny line, but it's actually very, very true. Uh, and he- here- here's the takeaway. In a healthy church, members have ownership of one another. They have spiritual ownership of one another. Uh, We don't just look out for ourselves. We see ourselves as in this together. So a couple verses come to mind on this. I mean, really the whole New Testament, it it just implies this in so many ways, but consider Hebrews 10, where we're told uh, as Christians, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And of course, there's all these other one another commands in the New Testament implying that we are in this together. We are to weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We admonish one another. We encourage one another. We speak truth to one another. We forgive one another. Uh, Or consider James 5, my brothers, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul. And they're implied that we are to have each other's back, so to speak. And this is one thing that military culture, I think, gets and really drills deeply into uh, very, very early on and and do this better than the church, honestly. I mean, I, I, I think maybe because I'm headed to this onboarding training, I found myself recently reflecting back on my initial basic training, which happened back in 1999 in New London, Connecticut at the Coast Guard Academy. And I I still remember many of the things we had to do uh, that were meant to instill this principle. You better have uh, each other's back. You're, You're in this together. You succeed or fail, not as an individual, but as a team. And so just for example, I remember in the first week of basic training, uh, 
for hours during an afternoon, we're all sweating profusely. We're indoors in the, in the barracks and we're all standing against the wall and our drill instructors would basically uh, give us a, a, a uniform that we had to change into. And so they'd say, everybody wear your, your, uh, your service dress uniform. You have two minutes, go. And then there's this mad rush while all of us swabs, they called us, ran as quickly as we could into our rooms. We each had one roommate, had to change on to whatever uniform they gave us, get it on correctly, and then get back out to the bulkhead all the while that the drill instructors are counting down the time. And, you know, there were several purposes to this, I imagine. One was just to stress us out and put pressure on us. Two was to teach us how to wear the uniform since none of us knew what the uniforms were. So they were trying to learn, uh, trying to teach us that. But but three, uh, and this is what I'm, I'm driving at here, they're trying to teach us to work together as a team because inevitably in that first week, somebody would go into their room, they'd get their clothes changed appropriately and, and quickly enough, but their roommate was struggling, you know, and uh, so they'd go back out and they would make the time cut off and their roommate wasn't there. <laughs> and I, and I, I could just remember, you know, the drill instructors just uh, absolutely getting into these people's faces. I mean, they thought they did a good thing. They made the time cut off. I did it. I was good. My roommate, you know, he was too slow, but I made it back out. And so you're out there thinking you're going to get commended by the drill instructor. But if you showed up without your roommate, you were in for it. Uh, I mean, uh, the drill instructor, uh, I mean, God forbid he saw you without your, <laughs> your roommate. Corian, where is your roommate? Do you mean to tell me you left your roommate? Are you trying to impress me, Corian? Do you think you're special? I mean, you, you could just imagine. I mean, they, they just really, really lay into you if you leave your roommate behind because uh, they're trying to teach you. It doesn't matter whether you can do it. If you succeed, if your roommate isn't there, you haven't succeeded. Uh, you, you have, uh, right? It's only if both of you make it out on time in the right uniform that you succeeded. So you quickly learned, I better not go out there without my roommate. And if I get my stuff on ready to go and he's not ready, I need to do what I need to do to help him get ready so that we can both make it. So, and, and so that was a principle from the very first week. And, and it wasn't just about your roommate. It was your entire unit or your entire platoon. And, you know, if people would fall behind on a run, uh, you quickly learned that you don't just keep running thankful that you can do it while members of your platoon are struggling. No, you, you slow down and you go run with the people that are struggling and you try to run with them and encourage them and get them there. Cause if your whole platoon can't do it, then you all fail. And, and so there's this, 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 you have to have ownership of, of, of everybody in your platoon. Uh, there's positives to this. Uh, there was an obstacle course we had to complete uh, as part of basic training. And I, I, again, you know, the fastest among us would get done with the obstacle course and we'd sit down and get a drink of water and, and the drill instructors would come and say, what are you doing? Why are you sitting here in the shade while your platoon mates are out there running the obstacle course? Get up and get out there. And so you quickly learn, okay, I'm done. Maybe I got through this, but 
let me go find someone who's still out there. Let me go cheer them on. And and I remember you know, the environment. We're all cheering each other, encouraging each other. You got three or four people beside you while you're running. You can do this. Come on, come on. You got this. And and as you're finished, people are clapping for you. So it, it creates this unit cohesion. Um, they're trying to teach us in the military, at least during basic, when one suffers, we all suffer together. Right? That that's the principle. Uh, if if one person messes up and has to do push-ups, it's not just that person that does push-ups and everyone else watches. No, everybody gets down and does it. Uh, if one person that this is a true story, I, I um, this is early on in basic training. I had my cover taken from me by one of the drill instructors. I can't even remember what I did, but your cover is an important part of your uniform, your your hat. It's another way for say your hat. And you can't be outside without a cover on. That's part of being in uniform. So if you don't have your cover, you got to put your hand on your head and run around like an idiot with your hand on your head. Well, because my cover was taken, as soon as I got outside and my platoon saw that I had my hand on my head, all of them took off their covers, put them in their belt, and all of them put their hands on their head. And we all had to march around together with our hands on our head. <laughs> and we did that for you know, as long as I didn't have the cover, then you got to go get it back. But but that's the principle. We have ownership, right? We don't succeed and fail as individuals. We see or fail uh, together. And it's always struck me that the, this is how the Bible talks about community in the church. I mean, most most pointedly in 1 Corinthians 12. We are one body. And, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, if if one member suffers, we all suffer together. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. You know, that, that is a healthy church body where we take ownership, spiritual ownership in one another, where we have each other's back. In a healthy church body, each member is invested in and cares about how each other are doing, you know, you know. And when someone is struggling, we don't say, "Well, well, thank goodness that's not me. I've got my house in order." No, we 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 seek to bear their burdens. We slow down, so to speak, and run next to them to exhort them and encourage them. Uh, this is what the the Bible speaks about so much. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching you and admonishing each other in all wisdom. The healthy churches where Titus 2 is normal and happening regularly, where older women and uh, older men are coming alongside younger women and younger men to encourage them and sharpen them and help them run this race with, with endurance. In a healthy church, we don't compete with each other, but we see each other as that band of brothers and sisters. We're, on, we're, we're in a platoon, we're in, we're in a unit, and we succeed or we fail together. I read a book a couple years ago. I don't remember the author's name. The name of the book was Tribe. And it was really interesting. The The author works with a lot of soldiers returning from, from war and with PTSD. And he said, you know, so what, what I find is so many soldiers find themselves missing the war when it's over. In some ways, they wish they could go back. And he asked the question, well, why is that? Why would you want to go back? To a place where your life is always in danger, uh, and, and you're uh, you're away from your homeland, and all the hardships that come with with war, and the answer that he suggested was was this: the reason people uh, the soldiers want to go back, it's not because they they miss the war in and of itself; it's because of the community 
that they had in their units because adversity and difficulty like you find in war leads people to, to depend on each other more, produces a closeness really that can't come any other way. And so people have a, a sense of ex deep and extreme brotherhood between people. And that's what the soldiers miss. That's what they, they want, that deep sense of community where they're, they're not alone. They're never alone. And, and, and everybody in their unit, they know, has their back and has invested in them. And, 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 and you feel the same way about them. This is the beauty of biblical community. In biblical community, someone should always have our back. Uh, we should never be alone. And, and uh, this is a challenge, I think, to American churches in particular, because we're so individualistic as a culture. We do bring that into the into the church and into our even our expectations of what biblical community would be. So we have to fight to to make this a reality, to live this out in practice, to per pursue this one another, showing hospitality to one another, opening our homes and our hearts, uh, coming alongside each other in every season of life, uh, sharing each other's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. Let's fight for that. This is something that we can learn from the military and I think we'll make our churches just a, a more, uh, we'll just have a better experience of community ourselves. We'll have a much more powerful witness to a very lonely and watching world. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of No Lasting City. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>